Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Let's move on into our message. The truth is, every one of us have been commissioned. You don't miss out because you're sitting in the chairs and expect those on the stage just now to do all the work. The reality through God's Word is you've all been commissioned to expand the Kingdom of God. Now, let me explain how how this works. Who here would say, you know what, I feel called to ministry? Put your hand up. You say, I feel called to ministry. There's a few of you. Just looking around to make sure I know who you are, that I've already asked you to serve in the church. Put up your hand, keep them high. Okay, might need to take a photo so I can follow up with those. All right, let let me explain uh, why I asked you to raise your hand. Ephesians 4.11 says this, It was God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So God gave these fivefold ministries, these gifts over certain people. Why did God do that? Well, why did God give what we call the fivefold ministry? Why did He give um, the, the, the giftedness of, of, of prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers? What, what, why, why did He give this uh, some uh, the apostolic anointing? Why did He do that? Here's why He did it: to prepare God's people for works of ministry. Okay, let's unpack this. Who is God's people? God's people. If you are a Christian. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've asked Jesus into your life, you you are considered God's people. You're part of the family of God, right? That's that's, that's sort of um, logical, but it's it's truth. So you are all God's people. You with me? You're all God's people. Were we good? Thumbs up? Nodding? Okay, next step. Okay, the the job of the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors is to prepare God's people for what? To prepare you for what? To 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 to, to pay off your house? To to prepare you to to retire? To prepare you? To, what what is God um, uh, called these people to, to prepare God's people to do? Works of ministry. Works of ministry. Your job is actually works of ministry. You are all ministers of the gospel. If you're a follower of Christ, you're all a minister. It doesn't mean you work in the church. I hope not, because I believe you can be far more effective in the marketplace, in your career, in your workplace, with your family and your passions and the giftedness that that God has called you to do. So what's my job? Well, my job, I fall into the pastor-teacher area. My job, according to Scripture, is to prepare you to train, to equip, to teach through God's Word, through building His church, God's people for works of ministry. So so let me ask the question again. Who feels called to ministry? Everybody should have their hand up who is a follower of Christ. I'm not saying you're called to works of ministry in the church. You're called to works of ministry in your world wherever you are, in your business, in your workplace, in your career, you are ministers of the Gospel. This is something that we need to correct our thinking. We sometimes think it's just a few people that have been commissioned to lead the church, do all the work. No, no, you are the church. 
The church is ecclesia. It's a gathering. It's not a building. It's not run by a couple of people. You are the church. This is the new concept that I believe God is going to multiply in the last days where He releases His anointing and His power on the workers of ministry, not just on the pastors, the leaders, the teachers. And so you need to see yourself as a minister. Are we good with that? And I need to see myself as an equipper. My job isn't to do all the work. My job is to equip, to lead, to train, to direct God's people so you can minister the way God has called you. How do we minister? How do we do this? Well, I wanna teach you today through God's Word in Matthew 9, how Jesus did it. And you're going to be able to apply this into your life on Monday morning. I love preaching God's Word that doesn't just apply to a one hour service or one hour and 15 we usually hit, but we're gonna apply it to our daily life on Monday. Let's jump into God's beautiful Word. This is a powerful piece of passage of Scripture. Matthew 9 verse 35, Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. All right, let me just pause, give you some context. Historians say that this area was 64 kilometres by 130 kilometres. This is the area that Jesus travelled. So put into context, airport, about 37 kilometres. Penrith, it's about 25 kilometres. This is a big area. Some 200 cities and towns, up to 3 million people. The point is, Jesus is working. (laughs) He's just not sitting having a cup of latte and chatting to a few couple of leaders. He's out in the cities and the towns going to where the needs are. He's not waiting for people to come in. He's going out out to where they are. To be a minister of the gospel, you don't just wait in a church building for people to come in. We actually go out into our workplace, into our sports, our hobbies. That's where the people are, where we can minister to them. We see Him in all sorts of environments. He was in homes, graveyards, on the seashore, in the temple, by the market, on the water, the side of the hill, the top of the mountain. Jesus, man, He's active. He's going. He's going around ministering to the people. So the first concept we have to understand is we've got to go. We've got to go to where the people are. We've got to go into our workplace. Um, We've got to go into where our families are. We've got to make an effort. We've got to go to the football games. Got to go out to where the people are. And what did He do? He healed every kind of disease and illness. Jesus ministered to them. He met their physical needs and their spiritual needs. One of our roles as ministers of the Gospel, and that's what you all are, is to meet people's physical and spiritual. So we provide care, we pray for people. Maybe they need some food, maybe they're, they're hurting, maybe they have some mental health issues. We, we talk, we listen, we, we, we meet their physical needs. We also meet their spiritual needs. We, we pray for them, we ask them about their faith. We, we ask them, what do they think about God? We, 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 that's ministering is meeting people's needs. Verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. The Greek word for compassion is this big, long word. Spankla nazumahi. That's the biggest word I've ever mouthed out. Spankla nazumahi. It describes compassion comes from the deepest depths of your being. 
Now, this is a bit confronting because it was the compassion that Jesus had gave way for His conviction to minister to people. It was out of compassion that motivated Him and it should be ours. My problem, if I'm completely honest, I can be a bit indifferent. I can be a little bit cold and hard to the pain and the needs around me. I don't know whether it's my survival technique. <laughs> I don't know whether it's, it's just I, 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 I couldn't be bothered. I don't know why. And I'm praying God will reveal that. But this deep compassion that came from the inner being motivated Christ to minister. And that should be our motivation. That we just can't walk past someone who's hurting in the office. That we just can't blow someone off who's in pain. You know what I do? I'm being real honest with you. I actually can be judgy, can be critical and critique. Well, they've made that decision. That's why they're where they're at. Well, they don't know Christ. They don't know any better, right? Well, you know, they're needing money because they bought the boat. They shouldn't have bought that stupid boat. You know, I can be so critical. And I'm like, God, where's that compassion that sees people as children of God who are lost and helpless? We'll actually see in a moment how Jesus describes them that gives us a bit of an understanding. He says, they are sheep without a shepherd. He said to His disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Jesus addresses that these people, this is the ones that you do life with, who we're called to minister to. They're like sheep without a shepherd. There's a harvest without workers. Now the context of this agricultural community was sheep and harvest weren't just sort of business models. These were actually life and death. Uh, they weren't just making a living through sheep and harvest. That this was their livelihood, their, their survival. That, that without sheep, with, with, without um, harvest, that they couldn't eat, they couldn't survive. So the significance of no shepherd was the sheep would just be destroyed. They'd be eaten by the wolves. They'd be gone. The significance of no workers, there'd be no harvest. There'd be nothing to eat. There'd be nothing to sow for the following year. Imagine, you've got this coffee shop, it's booming. People are lining up and, and you get there at 6am to open the doors and your workers are gone. There's no one there. You've got the people, but there's no one there to make the coffee or to serve your lattes. Or maybe you've got a business, there's unlimited supply and demand, but there's no workers to produce the products, to get it to market. Or, or, or imagine, this is a good one for, for me to think about. Imagine if you had a cure for cancer, but no way to get it to the patients and the people that needed it because there weren't any workers to produce the vaccine or to deliver it to the people that needed it. This was a real heart-wrenching statement that Jesus was saying that, that, that there's no shepherds, there's, there's no workers. In other words, they were probably the two most important uh, people in the day of this agricultural community in the days of Jesus were these shepherds to take care of the flock and the workers to, to reap the harvest. Therefore, here's the answer, what do we do? Jesus says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out what? Labourers into the harvest. 
to send out labourers into the harvest. Here's what's interesting. Jesus doesn't tell us to pray for more labourers. Oh, this is, this, is gonna, this is gonna challenge every one of you. This is gonna hit you like a 4 by 2 ready? He, he, he didn't say to pray for more labourers. He said out to send the labourers we already have. Powerful. We've got labourers in this room. And I don't know if you feel that conviction, but I'm praying you do. <laughs> that there are sheep without a shepherd. There's a harvest without workers. And we as followers of Christ can make a difference. This Greek word used for prayer here, uh, damonai, damonai, is not the usual word for prayer. It means to implore, to beseech, to, to earnestly pray. And I wonder if God was saying, when you earnestly pray for something, when you put your heart and your soul into it, you're actually opening yourself up where God might say, yeah, thank you for praying. Okay, you're it, now go. Uh, Okay, yeah, you're praying for that person in your office. I want you to share your faith. Uh, Oh yeah, you're praying for your family members. I want you to invite them to church. Oh yeah, you're praying for for salvation, for for people to be saved. I want you to go out and share, share your faith. And this is actually what happened immediately after this verse. Jesus gets His disciples together and He sends them out two by two. So He's explaining that the the harvest is great and the labourers are few. And then what does He do? He sends the disciples that He already has out to work. Because when you pray for God to send more workers into the field, don't be surprised if He sends you. If you pray for more workers to reach people who are hurting, don't be surprised if He says you're the one. If you pray to God, can you take care of that person who's hurting, who's lost, who's, who's got a marriage bust up, who's, who's got an alcoholic problem, who's in deep depression? Don't be surprised if God uses you. And if you come out of the motivation of compassion, God will work His power his supernatural ability through you to meet those needs physically and spiritually. Jesus didn't get new workers. He simply worked with what He had. Church, we're going to work with what we've got. We're going to work we've got. I went fishing last week. So three days ago, I was out deep sea fishing and I had my son Jet and he's a mad fisherman and we were just getting fish. We caught over 400 fish. Uh, kept 200. These are some photos of, of Jet and, and like big fish, right? Like he's, he's, and, and the problem is Jet's 15. He's not very big. The fish were bigger than him. And he's like worn out like half an hour in. And I mean, we're going to be out there like eight hours. And I'm like, mate, mate, you, you, you know, get your game on. Start reeling those fish in. All, all I had was me and Jet and one other guy. And I'm like, I got no other workers. The, the fish were unlimited. Limited. We just drop your hook down and, and bring, bring them up and there was fish everywhere. And I thought, isn't this a good indication that all I had was jet? And so I had to, I had to, I, had to, I was mad at him because he wanted to sleep in the front. And I, I can't get mad at him because I need him right now. All I got is jet. God, couldn't you give me someone bigger and stronger? Couldn't you give me someone with some muscles? You know, but, but you've got to work with what you got. Now, I'm not putting you all down. You're all wonderful. But all we got is what we got, right? We, we, we don't have any Billy Graham. You know, we, we don't have any disciples in our uh, congregation. What we've got is us. And God wants to use you, commission you 
to do His work. And when He had called the 12 disciples to Him, Matthew 10, 1, He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kind of sickness and kind of disease. When, when, when you're commissioned, you're not alone. The power of God is with you. You'll be surprised how words will come. Without words, words come. And you'll pray for people. Oh, I had no idea. You, you'll be more surprised than they are, you know, when something happens. Because we don't go out alone. When God commissions us, He equips us. Today, I, I want to change tracks as we close our time together. And I want to actually commission all of you um, to help us uh, as the leaders of the church build this church. And uh, some areas I want to specifically commission you to do um, so that you can sort of get some clarity what the expectations are uh, of, of this church. I don't believe you're here by chance. God's called you here, right? And we're here to, to, to serve and contribute. And I want to teach a little bit about what our next steps. I only take five or six minutes, but I really want to give some clarity of, of what God's calling us to do as, as the harvest is building. People are coming in. This place is growing. It's expanding. And so we need to respond correctly to that. Let's go to Acts 2.44. Uh, this is the early church. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They were selling their possessions and goods. No, I'm not going to ask you to sell your possessions and goods, but I will teach on a principle here. So just be relaxed. It's okay. Um, and give to anyone uh, that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favour for all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is revival. It's a beautiful move of God, right? And so there's sort of three things I want to talk about that we believe in as elevation, just to set the path or the clarity of, of, of what you can do to help build this beautiful church that, that God leads. Number one, they met in the temple. I believe the Sunday service is actually very, very important. I believe the Sunday service is critical for teaching of God's Word. I believe the Sunday service is critical for ushering in and calling on the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe Sunday service is very critical for praying for people who have needs at the end of the service, we pray. I believe it's critical for seeing salvations, for seeing people come to Christ. I believe the Sunday service is actually very important. Now, I know we went to COVID and we lived without it and we're online, but I still believe the Sunday service, just as it always was, they met in the, on the Sabbath in the temple uh, for, for thousands of years. I still believe the Sunday service is critical to seeing God move and build His people. So firstly, can I encourage you to come every week? Set the tone. It's a priority in your life. Lead from the front with your family. We're going to church. This matters to us as a family. It'll matter to your children. If it doesn't matter for you, it won't matter for your kids. Uh, be an example to those around you. Uh, nothing energises us and the staff when we see you come and show up and faithfully uh, serve each week. We, we build these series through the year that build on each other. So if you miss one week, you kind of miss the teaching. You can get that online. So if you're away for whatever reason, you need a holiday, that's fine. You need a break or you're going away, you're out that's fine, but make sure you get that message into your spirit. But more so, I want you to see coming to Sunday service as a gathering is about building, 
not just coming to get something, you're coming to build something together, that there is a unity, there's a oneness, we can connect with new people, we can find someone who's hurting, we can pray, we can invest, we can encourage. So I wanna give you permission, I wanna commission you today that as you come on Sundays, build the church, talk to people. If someone's standing alone, don't let them be alone. Talk to them, find, if someone's new, help them find their place and, 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 their, and their feet. Number one, let's meet in the temple. Let's be regular in our gathering. Are we good with that? Number two, they met in the homes. Why did they meet in the homes? Well, it's interesting. This word disciple has been thrown around for, 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 for thousands of years. And many people think discipleship is about education, about classes. But the Greek word is matthias. It means follower. Or another word that's used, it means apprentice. So the word discipleship, the word most akin in the English is apprentice. That's what Jesus did. He apprenticed. The life group is a place we can pour into others, not just be poured into ourselves. So my goal is that every one of us would find ourselves in some form of discipleship, apprenticeship environment, which is often takes place in the life group. That's why life groups are so critical. It's where we pour into each other. It's where we build each other. It's where discipleship takes place in the homes, where we can break through the facade of how you're doing. Yeah, I'm doing good. No, you're not. You're not doing good. You're hurting. You need to tell someone. You need pastoral care. You need someone to back you. You need someone to pray for you. Or maybe you are doing good. You need to pour into someone else. And it starts with us getting our home healthy, our church, our people, that no one's left alone, that no one's suffering alone, that you have someone to go to, that someone knows what your challenges are. The life groups are critical. That's why we've boosted our life group ministry with Jason and Christy to cover and to build leaders. Maybe for you, it's time to lead a life group. I believe that. Some of you, it's time. You need to lead a life group where you can disciple and apprentice and pour into others. Go see Jason after the service. He's at our life group wall at the back and find your way into a life group. Number one, Sunday services. Number two, life groups. And number three, contribute. You, you know, we don't go to church. Church isn't a building. We are the church. You're the church. And we see clearly in Acts, there was this contribution mindset that the people were giving. They were serving. My, my goal is every one of you serves somewhere. Well, why does that matter? Because I don't want anyone burning out. And we've seen over life, church can sort of burn people out. And I'm not okay with that. And if only a few are doing all the work, they won't last, they won't make it. But with many hands, make light work. And my goal is every one of you would serve somewhere. Once a month, I don't care, once a quarter, whatever, serve somewhere. But there becomes this contributing mindset when you serve, you're actually giving, you're pouring in. God's using you, you're growing and you're changing. And that's how we flourish because we actually build unity when we serve together. There's so many areas to serve and every one of you is needed. There is a place, we will find it for you. Talk to one of the staff, make a note on the red card, car park, coffee, seating during the week, uh, leading groups, helping out with youth, young adults, uh, helping out with, with our creative. This is endless, let me tell you, there's endless areas. And I am sick and tired of just a few people doing all the work and they're being burnt out. We've got to take care of each other. Let, let, let's contribute together. I'm not going to burn you out. My responsibility is to equip. Equipping means stay, keeping you healthy. 
We cannot have burnout. We can't ask people to do more than God's asking them. We have to respect people's time. We have to honour their commitments. But when we all work together, it's easy. But when there's only one or two, it doesn't work. So three areas I'd love to commission you all into. Let's get into our Sundays regularly. Let's get into a life group. Let's all contribute. Let's give financially. Let's serve passionately. And I believe God is just going to blow this place up. I love this ancient saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We're going somewhere together. We're going somewhere in a healthy way, in a fun way, in an energising way, where we are going to see people come to Christ. You're called by God. You're not here by chance. You're a minister of the Gospel. And I commission you as the pastor to build this church together. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been taken advantage of in the past. I know there is some pain. I know you've suffered, but let's not quit. Let's not give up. Don't let that rob you of fulfilling your destiny and your calling. Why? There are prodigal daughters and sons out there that are lost and hurting. There are people with drug addictions that have nowhere else to turn. People with full-on alcohol addictions, full-on depression. They're just hurting. They're like shepherds without a sheep without a shepherd. It's a harvest without workers. They've been caught up by their mistakes. They don't know how to escape, and they've given up trying. Some people are engulfed in their selfishness. Some people are looking for honest answers. They're wanting to know what's real, what's true. There's an uneasiness out there in life. There's a hurting, uh, there's a despair. And we're called, we're commissioned to minister to those people who are lost and hurting based on a deep compassion. Father, I pray we would be a church that we'd put our hand up and say, here we are, God, use us that today we would be commissioned into serving your church, but also ministering to others in our workplace, in our lives. Father, I pray for a supernatural anointing to come upon this church. We're praying for revival. We're praying for a move of God. We're praying for people to be added daily to the church, just like it was in the book of Acts. We're praying for people to be saved. Think about the harvest. Think about the millions of people in Sydney don't know Christ, aimlessly going through life without Christ they will miss heaven because there is a heaven, there is a hell and God you've called us to minister we are the workers we're the labourers that you've chosen to use for your kingdom, for your glory, use us we're here have your way we pray still praying today maybe you're one of those who are a sheep without a shepherd or the harvest without labourers that you're far from God you don't know Christ and today you're here to be saved and we are a church 
that will offer this opportunity every service, every week for people to come to Christ because that's where it all starts. That's where it starts, salvations. And we're, we're actually believing for salvations like crazy this year. Would you open the floodgates of evangelism and salvations in our churches, God, for revival to come? And maybe that's you, you need to be saved. You need Jesus to be your Lord and your Saviour with eyes closed and heads bowed. Just raise your hand, say, yeah, that's me. I, I, I wanna be saved today. I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and my Saviour. I wanna make a decision to follow Him just across this room. Just raise your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. You can put it down. Others of you, just raise your hand, say, I want Jesus. I didn't know I was commissioned. I didn't know that I had this role. There is a purpose for you to be on planet Earth. There is a destiny. It's bigger than you. It's called the Kingdom of God. Anyone else, just raise your hand. Let's all pray this prayer together out loud. Jesus, I need a Saviour. I'm a sinner. I need a shepherd. I'm like a sheep. It's gone astray. I need to be rescued. Save me today. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, let's celebrate how good our God is. Praise the Lord.